0: The Swain Event podcast is brought to you by the Tennessee Department of Transportation. There are over 100 million pieces of litter on our beautiful Tennessee roadways. And TDOT spends $19 million a year picking it up. Join the Nobody Trashes Tennessee movement at nobodytrashestennessee.com. Brought to you by the Tennessee Department of Transportation.
1: Swain Event, swainevent.com. Fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Top 100 barbecue restaurant in America, folks. It is Monday. Monday. March the 28th. Jason Swain live here from the Low T Center Studio. Ben McKee is on the road, y'all. Grinding. Grinding. Ben McKee is like he always does. Ben, good morning. Hey, good morning. How are you? Man, man, oh man, oh man. What a weekend. I'm great, man. I am great. Ben. How was how was the atmosphere there in Oxford? How was the atmosphere? I don't want to waste any time. I don't want to waste any time, Ben. Let's get to it because we got three hours, man. We got three hours of, of a jam-packed show of Tennessee talk that we have to get to. We can't waste any time. I want to know about the atmosphere. A lot of talk. Heading into the game last week. A lot of talk. Tennessee was ranked number one in baseball according to Perfect Game, which was the publication that I was going for, I was going with. But other publications did not quite have Tennessee the number one team. Some had Ole Miss as the number one team. A lot of talk going into the game. But the talk is different. On a Monday morning, Ben McKee, how was the atmosphere? (laughs)
2: Non-existent.
1: For Ole Miss, huh?
2: it was dead after a couple of innings on Friday and Saturday. Uh, The pregame atmosphere was really cool. The environment was, was really cool leading up to the game just because it was a sellout and a night game each on Friday and Saturday night. But uh, because of the way Tennessee played on Friday and Saturday, the fans on back-to-back nights, both left for the exits in the fifth inning. (laughs) So, uh, it it evaporated the atmosphere that is evaporated pretty quickly on Friday and Saturday, and according to the Ole Miss Twitter account, Sunday was a sellout as well. But there were a whole lot of empty seats on Sunday, and it it looked like a lot of Ole Miss fans decided not to show up on Sunday because of what had happened on Friday and Saturday. But it it got it got pretty cool in terms of atmosphere on Sunday after. Ole Miss cut it to, to a one-run game there in the eighth inning after that three-run homer. And even on Sunday, I mean, it was only a 4 nothing ball game, but it, it felt like it was 20 to nothing just because of how Tennessee had played all weekend long up until that point. And then for the first time all weekend, the crowd came to life after that three-run homer. And then uh, Ole Miss nearly tied it or – even walked Tennessee off there in the both, both the eighth and ninth inning. So uh, the atmosphere picked up. But for the most part, it, it was dead all weekend long, all but three innings. <laughs> the, the, the first inning of Friday night's game where Tennessee uh, strikes out, the, the first three guys of the weekend strikes out for Tennessee. Uh, they, they were all fired up for that first inning. But Tennessee then comes back in the second inning and scores six on Friday night. And from that point until the eighth inning yesterday, it was just non existent in terms of the atmosphere.
1: In the first game, 10 to three. Second game, 12 to one. Third game, four to three. Tennessee putting up, what's that, 26 runs? Twenty-six, no, twenty, yeah, twenty-six runs. In the, but but that's not a small ballpark. How was Tennessee able to do that? I thought Tennessee was only able to do that in Lindsey Nelson Stadium or a smaller ballpark. Well, that was that was not the case. Um Friday, you said Tennessee would would win the series. Now I did not call a sweep, but I said I wanted the sweep. I wanted the sweep. You said Tennessee would win two out of three games. How surprised are you that Tennessee was this dominant? Because I remember last year, in the regular season, it was Arkansas. Arkansas was the most dominant team. To to win one game against Arkansas felt like an accomplishment for anything. Arkansas was just completely dominant. Tennessee feels that way right now. So how surprised are you that Tennessee was able to dominate the way they were, get the sweep? And what do you think about putting Tennessee of 2022 in the same conversation as Arkansas 2021, or is it too early?
2: Uh, I, I think it's too early, but my initial thought that this Tennessee team is better than that Arkansas team from last year and because of the starting pitching. I, I think this team has more starting pitching than that Arkansas team. Uh, that, that Arkansas pitching staff was good, but it was kind of two starters and then pieced together the, the third starter and the fourth starter, which nobody's talking about the fourth starter right now, but come postseason play, you need a fourth starter, both for the SEC tournament and the NCAA tournament. And that's what Arkansas was lacking And that's what eliminated them from the postseason last year because they tried to ride Kevin Copps in place of that third starter. That was a question mark. And he he just ran out of juice. And not only did he run out of juice, but the the offense went cold and and couldn't back him up. This Tennessee rotation is absolutely filthy. And at some point this week, uh, either tonight when I get back to Knoxville or tomorrow, I'm going to try to do my best to look around the country and find a a team with a better, A, a better one-two punch than Chase Burns and Chase Dolander on Friday and Saturday. But you could make the case that Drew Beam on Sunday, his performance was better than the the Chase performances on Friday and Saturday. I I don't know that there's a, a better rotation at the moment in the country than what Tennessee has right now. And to me, that's the difference between not only Tennessee and Arkansas from last year, but also Tennessee in itself from, from last year. And the, they've put this rotation together without Blake Tidwell, who was supposed to be the best pitcher returning in the SEC this season. I mean, it is absolutely incredible. I, I've never seen anything like it uh, in any sport the last couple of years, especially – with Tennessee, so uh, yeah, it, it's it's pretty remarkable. And then, in terms of me being surprised about the weekend, I mean, I am just because it, it it was in Oxford, but I I was not impressed with Ole Miss's pitching on paper entering the weekend, and after Tennessee's dominating win on Friday night, I thought it was very realistic that they would sweep Ole Miss because, like I said on Friday, I thought Tennessee had more arms, better arms, to deal with that Ole Miss lineup than Ole Miss had arms to deal with the Tennessee lineup. And I think after watching this weekend, not only does Tennessee have better arms, but Tennessee has a better lineup than Ole Miss as well. So uh, just a, a little surprised because of what the atmosphere was supposed to be and it being on the road, and, and Ole Miss is still a really good team, um, but also not surprised because of of Ole Miss's pitching. I, I think Ole Miss is a little bit overrated. I still think they're a really good team, but they're not the best team in the country. I, I don't know that they're a top-five team in the country. You can't have as little pitching as they have and, and be a, a top team in the country, and I, I think that uh, they will not win anything of significance this year because of that pitching.
1: I don't remember a Tennessee team, and, you, you know, you just mentioned that there's no way to, Ole Miss is a number one team or may not even be a top five team. Um, but I don't remember a time where Tennessee in any sport was that dominant over a top-rated team like that. Like, maybe, maybe we go back and look at the – the year where Bo Jackson and Auburn came into town, and they were ranked number one, and, and Tennessee ran them out of Neyland Stadium, and, and Bo Jackson said, "No moss. I mean, may, maybe that's it. I mean, I, I in football, I, I I can't remember. I mean, Cal was. Was rated pretty high when they came in here to start the 06 season, but they were they were not number one. Um, I just don't remember a a, a favorite being dominated that way. Oh my goodness! Basketball, maybe maybe Auburn. Most recently in basketball, even though Auburn came back and made it a game, but Auburn was certainly ranked a whole lot higher than Tennessee, but that was just just dominant. Got Ole Miss fans salty. Ole Miss fans ready to fire everybody. (laughs) They ready to fire the football coach, basketball coach, baseball coach, janitors, tutors. They're trying to fire everybody over there, Ole Miss. They are hot because in football, they know they're going to play second and third and fourth fiddle to LSU and Auburn and and Texas A&M and Alabama. They know that. They know that baseball is supposed to be their thing. It's like for so long you beat Kentucky in football, and they say, oh, "Oh, all right, all right, all right, then." Wait till basketball season, and then they come and beat your brains in in basketball, and they feel a whole lot better because they know basketball is their thing. You may beat us in football, but basketball is our thing. And then when you beat them in basketball, oh, oh man, then they get then they get mad. Then they get mad. Then they start questioning themselves. Oh, get Coach Kyle. He's overrated. He doesn't have it. He gets out coached too, too much. Rick Barnes maybe is his daddy. Old Miss Baseball, they're like the Kentucky basketball. They can handle a, a beat down in football, they can handle a beat down in basketball. But if you beat them down in baseball, woo, woo. They might change their mascot again, Ben. They might change their mascot again. They might be like mm-hmm. Auburn to have three or four different mascots. <laughs> I said last week that according
2: to their game notes, they don't like to be called Mississippi. Well, I, I think they they may want to be called Mississippi after Will, after Tennessee treated Ole Miss like Will Smith did Chris Rock. Uh, I, I think that is a, a real possibility that they start going by Mississippi from now on.
1: Listen, man, I, I went. I went to bed fairly um, early. I did some work in the bed. I got to the bed like nine o'clock and I was on my laptop and did some work in the bed. I fell asleep. Yeah. um, Correct. Uh, Oldest daughter and wifey, they was doing hair and all that stuff. So yeah, I was, I was, I was in the bed watching TV and um, I fell asleep. And around three o'clock this morning, Ace was whining, so I took I took out, But before then, I was half asleep, and the Oscars, you know, it happened. Like it happened. I totally missed it. I didn't even know the Oscars was going on. I don't. I don't even watch the Oscars. But my, my wife was like awake, and she was like, "Did you look? Did you see that? It was Smalls slapped Chris Rock. Three o'clock in the morning. I don't care." But I heard, I heard was you know Tennessee slapped old bitch. That's what I heard. I was half asleep. I was like, yeah, I know Tennessee slapped old bits. I know. I know that. But that's how I heard it. I heard that Tennessee slapped old bits. But what really happened was Will Smith slapped the taste out of Chris Rock's mouth. And so I went back and watched it a couple times. Watched the unedited versions and different countries. Well, yo, is this the same Will Smith that I need to let you use, let you uh, listen to the music of, um, Ben? <laughs> this is not the Will Smith that your mom wants you to look up to. Is it? Oh, oh, oh this yes. like, that was, that wasn't Will Smith, man. That was, that was Hancock. That look, man, that, that was, he was just, he was getting jiggy with it. No, he was not. That was not fresh Prince. That was, that was the Will Smith. That got shipped from Philly to LA. That's, it's, now we see the reason switched. why mom sent Will to to Bel Air, because Philly, because I can see how he got into some fights at school. Up to no good. Started making trouble in the neighborhood. Like I that's the Will Smith that makes trouble in the neighborhood. That's him going up and slapping people just because of a joke. Woo. Woo. Yeah, I watched slap probably about Thirty-two times since three o'clock this morning, Ben. That's what Tennessee did to Ole Miss. That's what Tennessee did to Ole Miss. Ole Miss baseball—they going—they going to let Lane Kiffin throw out the first pitch again? They—they they, they still going to do that?
2: Well, I think uh, next time they'll make sure that he actually does throw out the first pitch, and and not a golf ball instead, which I, I'll, I'll actually tip my hat to Lane. It was a better throw than I anticipated. It, it, it was a, a strike over the middle of the plate. At least it looked like it was from from my angle, but uh, the King of Petty had it thrown back in his face, so <laughs> maybe next time Ole Miss plays Tennessee, they'll, they'll keep all the extracurricular activities to themselves uh, between the Ole Miss players' comments at the Friday night's game. Oh, Lord. After Lane doing what he did with the the golf ball and, and, and the first pitch. And uh, th- there were plenty of mustard bottles throughout Swayze Field. And there, there was even one in the press box. I, I, I opened the door to walk into the press box, and there's a cooler right in front of me, and it's got a mustard bottle on it. So Ole Miss really went all out for the weekend. And all I did was get sent home
1: with the tail tucked between the legs. Trying to be funny, trying to be cute. And caught got slapped hands. Like Chris Rock. Exactly. Caught hands. And the worst part was the picture after the Friday night loss. That was the worst part. We'll take our first break of the day. Sweating event fueled by Dead End Barbecue, top 100 barbecue restaurant in America. Man, where are you, man? Where are you right now?
2: I am at my parents' house in good old Huntsville, Alabama. So you so you at home? No, I am uh, not at home. My home is three hours and 22 minutes away in South Knoxville.
1: Just checking, just checking. 865-255-03. Give us a call. We'll get you right in. If you want to get in on the conversation today, plenty to discuss. Tennessee basketball, Victor Bailey, intern in the transfer portal, Tennessee Spring practice is going on. Lady Vols, their season is over. Falling in uh, the Sweet 16 to Louisville. Lots to get to. Tennessee baseball will be the number one team in America, folks. Tennessee will have a number one-rated team. It's been a while. Enjoy it, folks. Enjoy Swain event. Feel about that in barbecue. Be right back.
0: If you want to be part of the show, call the Iris Networks Hotline at 865 200 5503
1: Hello. Is that as low as you can go? Okay, thank you. 42nd Street, Brand, Strategy, Design. JC's Tree and Landscaping Service specializes in quality tree work done at an affordable price. Trimming and removing trees are their specialty. They also offer other services like land clearing, stump grinding, crane services, and all of your basic landscaping needs for both commercial and residential. JC's will give you a free estimate and beat any written quote by a competitor to guarantee that you get the lowest price around. Don't risk your land with a fly-by-night service. JC's Tree and Landscaping is licensed and insured. Give them a call at 865-599-3799.
0: For a replay of each day's Swain Event TV, subscribe to the Swain Event channel on YouTube. 865-255-03
1: 865 is the telephone number to the Irish Network's hotline. I'm live here in the Low-T Center studio. Ben McKee is in the Rocket City. How was the drive from Oxford to, to Huntsville? Not fun. Just tired? <laughs> or, or fun. Tired? You got a Charlie Horse? Traffic? No, it's just... I mean it it's
2: it's a, it's a different type of drive. I mean you drive through northeast Mississippi through yeah. backwoods where you're scared to stop and you don't have any phone service you're you're hoping your your GPS <laughs> doesn't forget the directions and then uh you you cross into Alabama and have to drive through Russellville and Moulton and into Decatur and ugh, it's not, not, not fun. not a fun drive just because of the the, the weird back roads, essentially, and, and the so-called interstates that, that you have to take. So it, it wasn't fun for that reason. But it, it went by pretty fast. I put on my podcast and ate a sleeve of Thin Mints and chewed on some gum and spit out some sunflower seeds and cruised on in.
1: I guess I better I better not complain then because although my drive was longer, it's pretty smooth. It's a pretty smooth drive.
2: I mean it was a smooth drive for me. It's just driving through Mississippi isn't all that fun, nor is driving through northwest Alabama. Yeah. Going into Decatur and in Huntsville. But I mean it's a quick three hour drive from Oxford to to Huntsville. Uh, Friday wasn't all that fun because I did the Knoxville to Oxford, which is six hours and 15 or so minutes. I did stop and see my parents for lunch, but then Decatur where 65 goes south to Birmingham Mm -hmm. that, that intersection, if you want to call it that, there was a really really bad wreck. And it had traffic all the way messed up all throughout the area, and I mean it, it had me getting there an hour and a half later than I would typically if there was no traffic. And thankfully, my GPS saved me and took me around the traffic and and over by where uh, the original. Calhoun Community College campuses and into Decatur on the bridge I I was still stuck in 40 40 or so minutes of traffic but that saved me an extra hour or so of traffic because it was practically standstill and I I probably would not have made it by first pitch even though I'd planned to give me a a nice two-hour cushion um, of of getting to Oxford and I only I only got there like an hour before first pitch on Friday so Friday was not very fun because I did the whole drive and and had to deal with that, but I mean, other than that, it's an easy drive.
1: Yeah, I was in Mississippi too, man, over the weekend. Not checking out Ole Miss, Tennessee game, but um, I went to I went to the town this weekend, Memphis, 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 Maine, and um, had a good time. Went to Anthony Hamilton, Joe, and, and Maxwell concert. Had a good time there. Um, was looking at. Ben, I was looking at the Gri- Grizz Bucks tickets. I was going. I was thinking about going. I was thinking about taking my oldest one to the game, but you know, Ja wasn't playing, and she's a big Ja fan. I wanted her to go see Ja. Then the next day, the Warriors were coming in town, and Steph was not playing. So it just it just didn't it just didn't work out. But um, hit hit up the town. Memphis is in Tennessee for those that uh, forgot that. But Got a chance to see the beautiful state of Tennessee driving uh, uh, I-40 through Nashville to Memphis. And um, it's good to be back home, I'll tell you that much. But love Memphis, love the town. People were awesome, and uh, we really enjoyed ourselves getting away. Got a chance to see my my brother and his wife, and uh, we had a good time. But, man, it's it's good to be back home, and it was good to be back home talking about Tennessee athletics because they mad. Ooh, they mad. They are mad, Ben. They don't want to see Tennessee winning. Because they know we going to act ignorant. We going to act a fool on on, on, on Twitter. And that's what I spent my time just kind of watching. Just watching. Watching y'all going to the store, buying brooms. Pulling out rakes. I love the baseball references. Tennessee was raking hitting home runs left and right. Tennessee was sweeping. Toto Vitello was in the clubhouse, sweeping and cleaning up after that thrashing over the weekend. But man, that pitcher, the Ole Miss pitcher, how do you say his last name? DeLucha. DeLucha, what? I assume. What are you thinking? You never, ever are supposed to talk trash before the game because you're not supposed to give a team bulletin inter- material. That's what they tell you. That is PR one-on-one. PR one-on-one. But it happens. Coaches do it. You feel confident in your team. You say what you say, and it may be twisted a certain type of way. But if you lose, if you lose 10 to 3, in the first outing, and the team you lo- you lost to is cracking home runs over the fence, five of them, what you better not do is come out afterwards to talk about how you didn't take the opponent serious <laughs> and that you're going to come out the next day <laughs> and you're going to win and guarantee you win. That's what you don't do. And that's what he did. And then the next game was worse. It was worse than the first game. Oh, man. And
2: uh, th- this this Tennessee baseball team is already a team that plays with a ton of pissed-offness. <laughs> I just invented a word. Uh, they, they always play pissed off. And I thought Evan Russell summed it up perfectly yesterday when I asked him, Uh, about playing with a ton of attitude and uh, he referenced drew gilbert and how it starts with drew gilbert and that however many people are in the stands that's how many people hate drew gilbert and he thrives off of that he's begging for people to start jawing at him this team is is already a team that plays with a lot of attitude and a lot of purpose and they're they're all fired up i wrote a story going into the weekend based off of Tony Vitello's comments and and Trey Lipscomb's comments previewing the weekend about how they love to be thrown into the fire. Like, they don't back down from anybody. They they love it when you talk mess to them, and they will talk it right back. So you already have to deal with that before you make the stupid comments, and then you decide to make the stupid comments, which just pissed Tennessee off even more than they were already naturally (laughs) pissed off. And I can assure you that Tennessee was well aware of the comments that the Ole Miss pitcher, Dylan DeLucia, made after Friday night's game. I mean, e- immediately they were, they were well aware. Uh, it was going around the, the Tennessee baseball group chat. Uh, Chase Dolander told me that after Saturday's game that the group chat was, was buzzing pretty good after uh, he made those comments and, and Drew Gilbert was the the ringleader. It was a point of conversation all throughout Saturday. And it was a point of conversation starting with Drew Gilbert. And you could see the energy from Drew Gilbert during that Saturday game. After he scores, he, he does the, the little hush sign, the finger over the mouth uh, looking into the Ole Miss dugout as he does it. And, and he was chirping all Saturday, Love all it. Sunday. So I, I just, he, that that old Miss pitcher picked the wrong team to make those
1: comments about. What number does he wear? Drew I Gilbert. Oh, Drew Gilbert won. I mean, that's what we do. That's what we do, man.
2: And he was huge all weekend long. He, he was probably, he probably had the best weekend of any hitter he was one for three on Friday, scored two runs, and then th- what I love most about Drew Gilbert is he he backs up the talk, like he runs his mouth and he backs it up all Saturday long. He's he's making sure his teammates are well aware of the comments that were were made. He's he's taking the comments personal. He's running his mouth to Ole Miss and. All he does is go three for five with two doubles, two RBIs, and three runs scored in that game on Saturday. And then on Sunday, he comes back, and he gets the scoring going with a two-run triple, and he also scored. So on Sunday, he was one for three, two RBIs, a run scored, a triple, a walk. He 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 talks the talk, and he walks the walk. He was incredible this weekend.
1: Let's go to the phones, the Irish Networks hotline, and um, I don't know who it is because I'm producing Ben's in, at, at his parents' house. So give us your name, tell us where you're calling from, and uh, let's get to it. Good morning.
3: Hey Jason, it's
1: Don. Hey Don, good morning.
3: Hey man, I tell you what, I, <clears throat> this baseball team is uh, I can't miss. I mean, you you, you know you got if they're on, you gotta you gotta find them. You know. I know they were supposed to be on the SEC network, and people were panicking online. And uh, luckily, I do have the app, so I was able to get going right from the bat. uh, Off the bat, Uh, I love something Tony V said after uh, Friday night's game. He said, "I don't guess we'd be lucky enough, or something to that effect, to have Lane throw out the first pitch
1: tomorrow." (laughs) He motivated the guys. They they feed off that. Oh, I tell you what, they
3: I I, I really enjoy reading Rough Raptors after Tennessee beats them in basketball. But I had a wonderful three days and nights reading the old miss message boards. Uh like you said, they won't fire everybody. Everybody. They, they won't hire Tony V. They won't make a million and I back up the truck. You know, uh they just um uh, I'm amazed. I I enjoyed last year. I mean, it was just a a new experience following that baseball team. But, man, these guys are something. (laughs) There's something to behold. I mean, it's just a joy. did get a little nervous there yesterday about the eighth inning. Uh, uh, The only weakness or problem I'm seeing on the team – Ben, since you was there, you can talk more about. It. Well, we got to stop booting the ball around. And at one inning, I guess it was on Saturday, uh, when we had two infield uh, errors in one inning, can't be doing that kind of stuff. And just and then like yesterday, when uh, Redmond Walsh comes in, strikes out the guy to get out of the inning, and the ball goes past Evan, and they they keep the inning going. That's uh, and we just got to do a little bit better job out there uh, around the bases. What do you think?
2: No, I think you're spot on. That that's the the one item at the top of the to do list at the moment is to to clean up the defense. And I I think that they will. I, I'm not too concerned about it. I, I kind of have a eyebrow raised at it at the moment. Uh, Courtney Lawson. Drops a ball at at he was on second base, uh, but he just simply drops a ball. I mean that that is super uncharacteristic uh, of him. Uh, Trey Lipscomb throws throws one into the stands, and I appreciate the phone call, Don. Hope you have a great weekend. Hope you had a great weekend. But Trey Lipscomb sails one into the stands. Uh, that's pretty uncharacteristic from him. Uh, Jordan Beck had the the near error yesterday in right field when he caught the ball and as he was transitioning from his glove to his throwing hand uh, it, it seemed uh, that maybe a little lackadaisical there but hey he, he still made the catch but came close to an error Luke Lipschius had an error on a, on a hard line drive hit right at him that he did a good job of just staying in front of it and, and Giving himself a chance to make the play, but but then just couldn't get the out at first base. Uh, kind of stumbled and and whatnot. So, I mean, it, it's a fair thing to point out for sure. And uh, Tony, even with Jarrell Ortega's in or error in the ninth inning last night, didn't seem too concerned. Maybe it was because he was speaking to me, and it was on the record. He he, he tried to rightfully back his player. Uh, saying that Jarrell makes that play 99% of the time, and, and he thought that he just got ahead of himself uh, with a, a runner being on first base. He, he didn't know if Jarrell w- was trying to decide whether or not to go to second base for the out or throw it over to first for the out or, or if the runner maybe impeded his view of the, the ground ball. So Tony kind of stood up for Jarrell but it is something that Tennessee is going to have to iron out, but I'm not too concerned about it going forward uh, until they give me further evidence to be super concerned about it because under Tony Vitello defense has always been a strong suit.
1: And it's good to have some stuff you need to work on at this point in season too. I mean, you don't want to be peaking like Arkansas and then lose, not go to the, to the world series. So, um, uh, you can be dominant and still have a little weakness here and there to be able to work on and keep your guys honest and hungry. And uh, I don't think this team is going to get the big head and anything like that and, and stop putting their foot on the gas. But I think it's always good to have some things you need to work on um, each and every day. So use that as a weakness. That's, that's cool. That That is perfectly fine. Uh, in my opinion, let's go back to the phones and uh, good morning.
4: Yes, sir, it's your boy Tramiel.
1: Tramiel. in the house. What's up,
4: Tramiel? What it do, what it do. That's how you walk with somebody's trap and take over somebody's trap.
2: Took over? I, don't really understand. I don't
4: understand what
2: I'm saying. Swain definitely doesn't understand, but Tennessee they definitely, they definitely, definitely walked into old Mrs. trap and know. took over the trap. I <laughs>
1: know I know context clues. I learned that in, in, in grade school. I know what you've been. I know what you, man. What we need to do is take Lindsey's Nelson, pick it up, take it to Oxford, and Oxford Stadium, they didn't give it to us because they're not using it properly. <laughs> we need to trade. That's what we need to do. Man, that
4: that was true right there. Like I just, It was crazy. It was crazy. I, I, that's what I think I need. That's what we need from all of our teams. That confidence that the baseball team has, if we get all our teams to play like that, hell, if I can get mine, my, my kid is to play with confidence like that. Man, them boys are confident, man. When he, when he, dude, I know what it is. The pitching staff is lolling our defense to sleep because they think they're going to strike out of everybody. <laughs> That's what's happening with the defense.
1: I think but, the basketball team plays with confidence. It's just it's just, it's just not nah, in yeah, your yeah, face.
4: Yeah, I, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just saying, like, the supreme confidence is what they play. Like, that, what they play with, is different,
2: different, it's way. different. It's a different type. Mm-hmm. But to tremendous it's point, Tennessee basketball turned a corner when they mm-hmm. did start playing with confidence, and Urosh, back oh in God. January after that Kentucky loss, remember Tennessee went to Vandy in the middle of that next week, and then came back home and played LSU, and, and Urosh was really playing with an edge, and, and you know, pissed off Vandy and, and pissed off LSU and his teammates followed suit. So, Tennessee had that confidence at the end of the season and that's what allowed them to make a run like they did because they, they did find some confidence because they did not have that type of confidence at the beginning of the year. They did not.
4: Dude, and that's crazy. Like, think about that, dude. Like, what well, Rick Barnes has done with, I know with Stunty and all those things, what with Euros? Like, we was just, we was we was I mean we ain't gonna say make fun we have forget we was making fun of him being the best teammate and dude sparked the rest of the season like you know what I'm saying and like since that point like since that really that point everything's really kind of popped for Tennessee like it's just been like great you know what I'm saying like we've been getting news across the board good all the way across the board you know what I'm saying the softball team knocking off them them Gator girls like mm-hmm. it's just it's it's just been beautiful stuff going across this going on on that hill, man. I was just like, people going to be really bad. Like, because they really hate us. Like, when we finna going to be on top of all the sports, y'all y'all finna be really saucy, boy. Salt bait, all day. <laughs> but, uh, so the confidence they play with, my favorite part about the whole weekend, bro, was <clears throat> when we had those two errors and the pitching coach walked out there. And It was the quickest mound walk I've ever seen in my life. I don't know what he said to him. I That's why I keep asking. I don't know what he said, or at least try to get the tidbit of what he said to him. Cause he starts smiling, the infielder starts smiling, and then he turns around, strikes out two dudes, and then get the pop. Uh, well, the, I think it happens pop, pop fly. Well, I can't remember how it, how it happened, but strikes out two dudes, and then. Get off the field. Oh, oh they were talking they oh they was talking their stuff when they walked off the field. Oh my oh I loved it. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. They were talking that good stuff when they were walking off the field after that field. Oh my goodness. It was just so beautiful. <laughs> so petty. And Tony so Tony's so petty. I loved it. The pettiness is at a at a all hard, hard time. High. And and I'm petty. Oh my team petty too. Oh my God. Just call me Tom Petty.
1: Tom Petty, Tremel Petty, it's true. It it is 100% true that a team takes on the personality of their head coach. It is 100% 100 true. Thanks for the phone call, Tremail. It is 100% true. I mean, look look at our basketball team. The player falls on the opposite team. Rick Barnes' Bible study classes are paying off. Our our team helps the other team get up. Have you seen that, Ben? Have you you seen some of my players? Turn the other cheek. Our players are helping somebody get up. Man, I've never helped an opponent get up. Never. Never. But I feel like if I play for Rick Barnes' team, not only would I help him up, I would probably offer them a cup of water. This team matches Rick Barnes. Look at Tony Vitello's team. Oh, the Twitter account. And the play of the players matches Tony Vitello. Petty, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Let's go back to the phones. Ben, good morning. Who do we have with us?
0: Hey, good morning. You got Scott on. Scott? That's right. Come from Florida.
1: Scott from Florida. Good morning, Scott.
0: Hey, good morning. I'll I'll just be quick because I think it's a great talking point. Uh, You know, Sunday's game, right? Uh, Eighth inning. You know, you are you know, playing, they're getting on the field, hit that home. Run. He he's got the pitcher in there. You could tell, you could tell something was not on with the pitcher. Right, you could see, you know, he wasn't getting the ball where he needed. The Guy smacks a home run, and then obviously he's got the next guy up. Guy, you know, hits it deep, almost fair ball, home run, but goes foul. And immediately, Tony Vitello walks out, makes the sub. That isn't even. You know, something that you see regularly. You could see when the pitcher walked off how angry he was. But I think it's a great talking point because <clears throat> for for all of us that were watching, well, I'll just say for my, myself, I could see it. And I'm sitting there, hey, he's not on. You know, 10 pitches in, missing the plate, missing the plate. But, man, Tony Vitella was right on it. I just want to call it out because it was amazing coaching, although that's not a, a nothing that I've seen that you regularly take somebody out while they're in the middle of their pitch uh, of the batter, but it was a great call. to Just want to call that. I'll hang out, hang out, just listen, but just want to call that out.
1: Hey, thank you, Scott. Thank you, Scott, man. Ben, did you notice that? Oh yeah. I mean, how could you not
2: notice Tony Vitello going to the bullpen with a full count? I mean, I'm, I'm sure it has happened before. In the in the millions of baseball games that have been played on this earth, but I have never seen a pitcher, aside from injury, be pulled with a full count. I mean, you just you just do not see that. And I, I thought it was the right decision. I, I don't really know what was up with Camden Sewell. Uh, it seemed like his his breaking ball just could not be thrown for a strike yesterday and. He does not have a a dominant fastball, so he has to have that that filthy slider of his. It, it has to be it has to be on point, or else he's going to struggle. And that was the case yesterday. Uh, I I do wonder, uh, you know, the the inner workings of the weekend. I I kind of think it threw him off that Tennessee's pitchers were just so dominant because Camden Sewell is the first guy out of the bullpen. So on Friday, he goes down to the bullpen when Chase Burns is getting ready uh to, to wind his start down and, and he gets warm once or twice. And because of the score, he's he's never brought in, but he did warm up. On Saturday, same situation. Chase Dolander is cruising, but because Camden did not pitch on Friday, he is gonna be the first guy out of the bullpen on Saturday in a close-to-close-ish close, close to close-ish game. And he warmed up several times throughout Saturday's game, was up and was down all throughout the game. And then the same thing on Sunday. I mean, he was, he was up and down, getting warm from the fifth or sixth inning on, Drew Beam, dominant on the mound. And because of your starting pitchers and, and how awesome they were all weekend, you didn't need to go to the bullpen until late in the game, but Camden had warmed up a billion times before he was ever actually brought into the game. And I think people would be surprised by how mentally fatiguing that is and and how that can actually wear you down a little bit because when, when you're warming up, obviously you think you're about to come into the game and then you're getting that adrenaline rush and then, the carpet is pulled out from underneath you and and then you build yourself back up when the coaches tell you to get warm again and, and so on and, and so forth and that was pretty repetitive all weekend from Camden. So uh it, it wasn't the reason that he struggled. He 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 just did not have command of his slider which is typically uh dominant and un- and unhittable. But I, I do think that him trying to get warm several times throughout the weekend only to be not put in the game and stay in the bullpen, I I do think that wore him down mentally a little bit, and and it also wears him down physically. I mean, he probably threw 60, 70 pitches in the bullpen throughout the weekend before even coming in to throw a pitch in the game. So I I do think that is an underlying effect of the weekend, but I I don't blame Tony at all for going to Redmond Walsh in that situation because uh, the caller, Scott, was was spot on. I mean, Ole Miss nearly – tied up the game on that long foul ball. I, I thought it was a homer for sure, and, and it was barely foul and hit the top of the fence, and Tony said, uh-uh, we're not playing any games. We're going straight to Redmond." and uh, the decision paid off because Redmond came in and, and got the job
1: done. Hey, man, great coaches know their team, know their players, make adjustments at the right time. Tony Vitello did that.
2: Yes, and Frank Anderson also gets equal amount of credit, if if not full credit, uh, because I I I don't know for sure, but it, it would not surprise me if that was a a Frank Anderson decision, at least the majority mm-hmm. of it. I, I don't think uh, uh, Tony Tony has the final say, obviously, but Frank has a lot of command in, in that dugout, and essentially runs the, the ship when it comes to pitching. So uh, Frank Anderson deserves as much credit for that decision as Tony does, if not more, because I, I can assure you that he, he had as much say, if, if not more say uh, in, in making that decision. And he's the best pitching coach in the country. And that is not exaggerating. Somebody tweeted me yesterday at the beginning of, of Sunday's game, as Drew Beam was starting to dominate Ole Miss third starting pitcher of the weekend for Tennessee to dominate Ole Miss. And somebody tweeted me and asked, how in the world is Tennessee so good on the mound? And I, I said, Frank Anderson, the best pitching coach in America, and he, he truly is uh, the, the best pitching coach in America. That's that's not getting caught up in the hype of, of what Tennessee has going on. He is the best in the
1: business. Ben, did you see Danny White's tweet a... Oh, I saw it. All right. I'm just, I just wanted to you make sure. I, saw it. I just wanted to make sure you saw it and ask you about it because um, Danny White, Tennessee's athletics director, quote t- tweeted Tennessee's tweet that said, ball game, ball sweep, oh, miss. Redmond Walsh strikes out the side in the ninth. And then Danny White quote tweeted and said, how about them volves? got my vote for number one, hashtag GBO with orange emoji. And then someone commented on Danny white's tweet and says, let's get them a top tier stadium. And Danny white quote tweeted that and says, it's on the way it's on the way. So I,
2: I saw it. I was uh, tweeting out some of my content when uh, he sent that tweet. So it, it immediately popped up in front of my face. So I, I saw it uh, right when it happened and as I was trying to work and my my eyes popped out of my head in that old Miss press box and uh, may or may not have taken off my pants as well in, in the old Miss press box when I saw that tweet uh, because of how excited I was, very excited to see that. And, and hopefully it comes to fruition and, and it's not just talk to get people – uh, excited, which I, I don't think Danny does that um, w- without purpose and intent behind what he is saying uh, because Tennessee needs it. Tennessee needs it. The more I travel around the league and see some of these SEC stadiums, it's it's remarkable how far behind Tennessee is. So hopefully Tennessee can, can play catch up and and uh, get something going stadium-wise that is is at least – close to, to being on par with the rest of the league. I, I know there, there's a lot of constraints with the uh, the lack of space on campus. I think that's the biggest issue, to be honest. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Just the, the lack of space over on campus. I, 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 I don't know the, the solution to that problem. Well, but, uh, I, I, I can assure you that they're working hard to, to get something figured out.
1: Well, Tennessee, even before Tony Bartello got here and even when he first got here, wasn't winning uh, like they are now. During that time, Tennessee needed a stadium. Like, they needed a a upgrade. Now, they deserve it. Like, they deserve better. And I, Danny White knows that. But it's not as, as simple as going to the store and buying Legos. Like, you can always build bigger and better and faster with Legos all day long. But this is not Legos we're talking about. There's a lot of moving parts, and everyone understands what needs to be done. It's it's just it's just doing it and finding the best way to do it. And there's another moving part with the Smokies moving to Knoxville. But uh, these players, this coaching staff, these fans, don't care about all that right now. I mean, you can't stop what you're doing and worry about that. The 2000 early 2000 Miami teams had the worst facilities I've ever been in, except for Vanderbilt's on the road, the worst. And I was like, huh? They down here just crushing fools. And this is terrible until you get an upgrade. You just control what you can control. And that is your energy, your effort, your preparation, how you play the game. And Tennessee is certainly doing the, the best at that right now. The best in the country. When's that new poll coming out, Ben? Let me guess. 10 on 1? Huh? Uh, maybe. Maybe right now. Come on, we'll Kendall Rogers. Get on it. Top of the hour. I, I think it usually comes out at it around 9 Eastern. Push but, uh, should It should, should be any minute. Come on, Kendall Rogers. Push sin. Let's get it. We'll go straight to the phones after this quick break. Sweat event fueled by Dead in Barbecue. Hour one was brought to you by Hiller Plumbing, heating, cooling, and electrical Ben McKee, Jason Swain. Stay with us. We'll be right back.